but children of the heavenly king but children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad may speak their joys abroad we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion the beautiful city of god the hill of zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the golden streets or walk the golden streets we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion the beautiful city of god then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. I haven't sang that one in a long time. Uh, 246, number 246. <clears throat> <clears throat> All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask me, son? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus do with all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus do with all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, Shares each winding path we tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. 
Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my father's house above when my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day this my song through endless ages jesus led me all the way this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, doing good. Glad to have you with us. see if they have it in here, but I don't know that they do. I'm still getting used to this book, so looking for... There it is. Ha ha. Three of three, I think, is what it is. Oh. Oh. Three of four. Number three of four. <clears throat> I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay. Where doubts arise 
fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has come, the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table in a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost high and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table and a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're missing a few this morning. Let's remember Brother Tony and his uh, him being sick this morning. Um, Sister Donna sick. Brother Ed and Sister Annie and Sister Barbara are all sick. Um, Brother Patrick uh, just texted me and said that he is better but he had an issue with his car battery this morning so he's not that's why he's not here this morning so he needs a new car battery so he says i just didn't have enough juice to turn it over this morning so let's remember remember him as well and uh remember sister jean she's having a little bit of issues this morning feeling some dizzy um any other prayer requests this morning John Michael is not feeling well. Remember Tammy and her household this morning. Um, remember, um, Brother Daryl Ellis, I mentioned a couple of, uh, for the last couple months, um, he had an issue with his heart. He ended up having AFib. So they've took him to the ER this week, and he's doing okay. He and I have been talking back and forth about our, our health issues. Um, remember me, I've got a, I've got an echocardiogram tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, hopefully get some more answers and a follow-up with my cardiologist on Wednesday. Um, so remember me and then I'll have another test the following Wednesday. Um, Lord willing. So lots going on. Um, 
let's remember um, those of our sister churches and those were that are in need of prayer. Um, I do want to mention um, Traskwood. Um, a couple, they have a couple of things going on there. Sister Angeli had one of their church members. Uh, it's a daughter to Dale Beck, Dale and Carolyn Beck. So uh, she had a trach place this week. She was having issues with her oxygen, so they placed a trach on her. She's been in the hospital for a few weeks, and um, she's doing better. They placed the procedure. She's going to do, I guess, rehab now before she goes home. And then their son, Jeff, had a car accident this week and broke his leg and shoulder. So he's in a wheelchair. They put a ramp in at home. So he's going to have a while for recovery. And then Sister Paula Dovers is going to have another foot surgery on Sunday. So, or on Monday. So she's, they were asking for prayers for them. Um, of course, lots of things going on. Uh, so let's remember those that are traveling, those that are, those of our number that are sick. And I need a prayer. Continue to remember Sister Judy as she goes through her cancer treatments and Addie and Rhonda. Let's remember them as well. So, any other prayer requests this morning? Um, I do know your um, friend, the trial, that pre-trial started this week. So, I think they said, Karen said, I think they're waiting for, the trial will be probably next summer. So, so just remember just remember their their family um, and uh, remember um, my dad I mentioned he's having some health issues so and he's um, trying to go on disability because of his health issues so just remember him and my family back home so um, no other prayer requests this morning we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer brother Dennis would you mind lead us in a word of prayer please This morning, if you'll turn with me to Zechariah chapter 3, I hesitate it'll be a short message. I've only got three places to go this morning, but I hesitate to say it'll be a short message. <laughs> so, Zechariah chapter 3. It's one of the minor prophets over in the latter part of the Old Testament. <clears throat> and we'll look at uh, chapter 3 specifically, uh, first seven verses there. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is it not uh, this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. 
And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and will clothe you with festal robes. And I said, Let them put the clean turban on his head. And so they put the clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house, and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among those, among these who are standing here. It's a pretty interesting depiction he, he places here. He has, of course, the high priest standing before the Lord. And, of course, Satan is standing there accusing Joshua, as it seems to say. This is standing at the right hand to accuse him. So whatever it was that was going on with Joshua, that the Lord was, that the Lord was there before him and Satan was there accusing him. It's an interesting statement there, don't you think, that Satan was standing there to accuse Joshua of something? But yet, what does the angel tell him there? He says, he says, Now Joshua was clothed with a filthy garment standing before the angel. And they said, remove the garments. And then he says there, See, I've taken away your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. It says there in the latter part of that verse, he was admonished and said, Look, if you'll walk in my ways, if you'll perform my service, then you will also govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. I think the, the picture here is pretty clear. Righteousness is not derived from ourself, is it? But it's from the Lord. He reckons the righteousness, as he wills it, to us. But what does he ask from us? He pretty plainly here states to, jo uh, to Joshua, the high priest, he says, walk in my ways and perform my services. It's a pretty simple directive enough, don't you think? We know, according to historical accounts, that the high priest was responsible for overseeing the house of God and administering to the, to the people of Israel services before the Lord. That included overseeing the sacrifices, that included um, ministrations of the temple and the people of Israel. They were the chief ambassador for the Lord. The only person that was able to enter into the holiest of holies in the temple to perform service to the Lord. And as we know, based on historical accounts in the scripture, if that person was unclean when they entered the holiest of holies, what happened? They tied a rope around him, and he would, if he was unworthy, he would be struck dead, wouldn't he? He was chief representative for the children of Israel there. So here we have this. He's, his garments are sold. There, it paints a pretty interesting picture. His garments are sold. What does that sound like? Sounds like most of us, doesn't it? What does it say? Our righteousness is as filthy rags? So we shouldn't count ourselves to be higher than we are. The Lord asks us to be humble in our service and to be lowly. What does he say? Meek and Meek and mild? In some places, in some translations there. 
But then he says, remove the garments. How do you guys consider that our, of course, Scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags that we bring those things to the Lord and we let him clothe us with his, with his righteousness. But it requires us to do something very, very specific. To humble ourselves. To know that we can't do this on our own. That we must submit ourselves to the Lord and place our burdens at his feet. Was he talk about my yoke is easy and my burden is light? The chief priest here, by all accounts of humankind, he would have the ability to be lifted up above everybody else, wouldn't he? By the world standards. But yet the Lord here tells him to humble himself, to go after, to follow after his ways, to remove his garments, and he's got sold garments. I ought to tell you that none of us have the position that we think we do in life, or we should. We shouldn't think that. Let's look at Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. And verse 10 is where we're going to look. Just a few short verses here. Of course, it's talking about Michael and the angels waging war against the dragon in the end times. But specifically, I want to pay close attention to just these three verses. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren have been thrown down, who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath and knowing that he is the only, only there for a short time. These three passages of Scripture here that we just read paints the picture of whom has the authority and the ability to provide salvation. It only comes from God. Notice he says there, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and authority of his Christ have come. He says, Of course, the accuser of your brethren stands there not day. Does that sound familiar like we read over there? Just a little familiar like we did in Zechariah chapter 3 where Satan stood accusing Joshua. But he says there, They have overcome him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to, even to death. What was it that they did that was different? than the rest of the world. They submitted themselves under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It says they didn't love their own life, so they served the Lord. That's what, that's what it's talking about there. Even to death. And it says, for this reason, the heavens rejoice. 
you who dwell in them. He goes on and says, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you to have great wrath, knowing that he has a short time. I don't, I've heard this said before, the sea there gives reference, not literal physically, but the domain of men. Of course, the sea is the masses of humanity. In some, in some instances, that's what the sea is referring to. So humanity and the earth and its state there are going to be what? They're going to be subject to the wrath of Satan, isn't it? But yet at the beginning there it says the people that have submitted themselves to the Lord, they are, they're going to overcome because of the blood of, of Jesus. Because of the word of their testimony. What does testimony mean? It means to give witness, doesn't it? Give an accounting. So they gave an accounting of Christ. Of course, that's because they've submitted themselves to the Lord there. So our, I believe the scripture here is pretty direct. We have to submit ourselves to the Lord to obtain that salvation there. Of course, it doesn't come again from our own righteousness, but it's derived from that of the Lord, whom delivers us. Look at Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. Verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 49. It says, The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, This place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live here. Then you shall say in your hearts, Who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children, and am exiled, and barren, and exiled, and a wanderer, and who has reared these, behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, and set my standard to the peoples, and they will bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders, and the kings will be your guardians, and their princesses your nurses. They will bow down to you and their faces to the earth and lick the dust from your feet. Uh, you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Can the prey then be taken from the mighty man or the captive of the tyrant be rescued? Surely thus the Lord says, even the captives of the mighty men will be taken away and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you. And I will save your sons, and I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh. And they will become drunk with their own blood as with the sweet wine. And all flesh will know that I am the Lord your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So again, here you see a pretty gruesome picture depicted here by the Lord. He says that all of creation will be subject to his people, right? That's what it says there course you have a servant here that says i've been 
I've been bereaved of my children. He goes on there and he says, Lord, Lord God says to him, he says, I will lift, lift up my hand to the nations and set my standard to the peoples. The Lord will place them under his subjection. They will be subject to him. He talks about the princes and the kings, what they will do. They will minister. They will be your protectors. They will be your guardians. Why? Because they're subject to the Lord. Prince, princesses. So it talks about those people of status will be made low. Why? Because their power and authority was only given to them by the Lord. And they're subject to Him no matter whether they knowingly or unknowingly do it. They're still going to have to carry out what the Lord tells them to do. Isn't that right? Why else would He say? He says, I make to set up kings and I'll take them down. It says then, he talks about the reprieve. He says, okay, you're going to be the, the prey of the tyrant, prey of the mighty men. Those will be what? They'll be rescued. They'll be delivered. The most important thing I see there just before it mentions that is those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. I know one of the things we talk about is that this life is exhausting. The things that the, what we were talking this morning before services started about the difficulties that we've had, the illness, all of these things. The rules of the land, the things that are burdensome to us. We have to remember we endure these things for the sake of the Lord. We won't be disappointed. The oppressions and things that we face in this life will be for a short time for us. The thing that we need to remember, of course, is like over in Zechariah chapter 3, is that if we do the things of the Lord, if we subject ourselves to minister to the Lord's house and to do those things, be a, be a witness to the world and to those around us, that the Lord will exalt us in due time. And it doesn't come from us, it comes from the Lord. Scripture talks about doing things to be seen before all men. He even warned the Pharisees and the scribes about such actions to be seen before men. That they'll receive their reward in the present life. And the life to come, they won't receive any of those blessings. But here we see of course, the Lord talking about delivering them from captivity. Those that are sub, that they are subject to will be their protectors and ministering to them. And then he goes on and says, I'll give the enemies their own flesh. I'll save your sons, but they'll, they'll be feeding off their own flesh. I mean, drunk with the wine of their own blood, a sweet wine. Why? For the purpose of them understanding that the Lord is the one that is the Savior, is the one that delivers us. And the instruction he gives us here is that, in this case, is that we submit to him. And we do the ministrations of his, of his service to others, to one another.
Let's look over there in uh, Isaiah chapter 50 here. I think this one's good for us to look over as well. Isaiah chapter 50. We'll start in verse 7 there. It says, For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near, and he who will contend, who will contend with me. Let us stand up to each other who has a case against me. Let him draw near to me, and behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment, and the moth will eat them. And who against amongst you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, and walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire and who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire, and among the brands you have set ablaze. This you will have from my hand, and you will lie down in torment. Who is it that takes care of us? Who is it that vindicates us, takes and confronts all of those that would do us harm? It's the Lord. It's not us. Why else would he say, vengeance is mine? Thus I will repay, right? That's not, that's not for us. It's easy for us to say that we want to repay our enemies what they've done to us, right? But that's not what the Lord tells us to do. He tells us to leave room for the wrath of God. Why? Scripture mentions, be still to know that I am God. He talks to his, He's talking to the nation of Israel there. Why? Because he does all that for us. Judgment and vindication is not ours. It's the Lord's. We just need to be willing to do exactly what he instructed Joshua to do. Lay aside our, take our garments off, lay them aside, and to do the the things that he has called us to do as his people. Our job as the, the church is to show the world who the light is. To have the love of the Lord in our hearts. To give our whole life over to Him. That's the expectation that He gave to Joshua over there. That's the example that Jesus set out for us as well. So I would have us consider these things. Reminder that we can't administer salvation to anyone. The only thing we're expected to do is to be a vessel, to live our life, fashion our life in the likeness of Christ. As adopted children, that's what we are asked to do in the New Testament there. That's the directive. Are we going to be perfect? No. Rather, 
Let Christ be perfected in us. That's the directive. Scripture is chock full of examples of those that were given this directive that didn't do it. And what happened to them? So I would encourage us as we go through this week is to draw our strength from the Lord and to lay aside what it is that is not acceptable in the Lord's sight. Strengthen one another, encourage one another in the work. And do exactly what we've promised to do before Him when we made our commitment to serve the Lord. That's all I have for you this morning. Very short message. to see if the church would be want brother grant to speak for us today uh two options if you'd like for him to speak you can speak this morning or this afternoon after lunch y'all have a preference no grant what do you want to do do you want to preach this morning everyone i'll give you a little i'll give you more time this afternoon <laughs> i'll take the short i'll take the short stick i'll talk for long <laughs> I try not to, but I've been getting a little long, longer winded the older I get. <laughs> Shirley's shaking her head. <laughs> now, Shirley. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, this morning, I'll, I'll take the short stick. So, uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 15 this morning. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1 is where we'll start. We're going to talk about honoring our God this morning. It says, Then the summons Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, And why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. He who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever shall say to his father and mother anything of mine you might have uh, have had been helped by has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother, and thus you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And after he called the multitude to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what it, it's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles this man. Or the man, excuse me. And the disciples came and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when, you heard, when they heard this statement? 
It's a bit of a bit of a funny question there, isn't it? Didn't you know the Pharisees were offended? He stepped on their toes. The interesting part about this was that Jesus was right. He was right. He had them dead to rights. He says, you tell these. He says, you hold to this tradition. Just you say, honor your father and mother. Then you go and tell them, no, I, what I have is given to do this. Interesting. It's like you invalidate the word of God. He says, why? Because you, what do you say? But in vain, he's used Isaiah there. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You have forgotten that it's not your teachings, but it's God's teachings that need to be upheld. Whom do we honor? Do we honor men or do we honor God? Jesus told them there, he says, this, this particular thing he mentions here, doctrines and precepts, Doctrine means learning or teaching. And precepts, what? It's the teachings. It's the teachings of men, right? That's not what the purpose of the scripture is, isn't it? It's what we talked about this morning, obeying God. Obeying God, God offers us what? He offers us salvation, doesn't he? But these men, he tells them, he's like, your, your heart's far, he says, your lips speak these things, but your heart's far from him. The Talmud was the oral law. The law and its application there. They got in trouble sometimes because they followed the letter of the law. They didn't have the faith to carry out what the Lord was actually teaching them there, did he? Did they? That's what he warned them of. Let's read real quick a few verses at the end of 15. 15 through 20 is where we'll turn, we'll, at the end of chapter 15 there, we'll read 15 through 20. Peter answered and said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still lacking understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hand does not defile the man. Ooh. That's pretty scorching, isn't it, don't you think? He asked Peter, he's like, can you, can you make, help us understand this? He said, out of your heart is what, out of your heart, to your mouth and out is what defiles you, isn't it? What was the intention there? He said, you aren't listening. You aren't listening to the teachings of the Lord. These men told you you need to wash your hands and that's more important than honoring your parents, which the Lord tells you to do. Or worshiping me? Worshiping God? That's what I mean there. And then he proceeds to tell them there, 
He says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. Those are the things we need to be delivered from, folks. From ourselves, like you mentioned earlier. From the evil that comes from us. What does the scripture say? The way of a man seemeth right unto him, but the end thereof is death. Yeah, and he was telling Pharisees here, you, you, you got a problem here. And even the disciples were like, I don't understand. He's like, I'm trying to get you to see that this is, this is what comes out of you is what defiles you. What's in your heart? Get rid of that stuff. Turn your life over to the Lord. Listen to what he says. Honor him. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 29 where he referenced that text and see what it says. Isaiah 29 and verse 12 is where we'll start. Give you a chance to turn over there. And I would encourage us, this, is, this gives us the context of what the prophet Isaiah was saying there that Jesus referenced. So Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 12, he says, Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, Please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. And their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rot. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelously. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, whose deeds are done in the dark place, and they that say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn these uh, thir- turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what what is made should say to its maker, He did not make me. Or what is formed to say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. Hmm. When the creation doesn't revere the creator but yet reviles him. That's slanderous there to say, person that made me has no understanding. What was the expectation? What was going on here in Isaiah that was, that was about to take place? They were going into captivity. The Lord had already pronounced judgment against them, saying, all right, your hearts are far from me. Your lips may say what, you think I want to hear, but your heart's far from me. That ought to place us under conviction to observe and, and to look according to Scripture what our life says about our service to the Lord. Brother Ed mentioned this morning about being fervent, bowling over. Scripture mentions in other parts that Paul was a zealot. He was zealous to do what the Lord asked him to do. And even after that, he changed and became zealous for Jesus, didn't he? 
Folks, we have a watered-down version of what occurred here. We, we tend to change things over time. Let us not be confused that God calls us to do things and do them, what? Just as Jesus did them. Zealously. Emphatically. The community around us should see us and go, Ha! Ah, I don't want to mess with them. That's the Lord's people. Or, I'd like to go be with them. What was the admonition there for the man that says he went and hoards the treasure? I think it's Pearl was talking about. You don't hoard it. You share it, don't you? You're supposed to, we're supposed to share it. That's what the gospel is. It's what the teachings of God are that are imparted to us. That precious pearl. You don't hide it. You share it. You cultivate others' understanding of it. You share it with them so that they can see the goodness thereof. But the railing indictment he pronounced here in Isaiah chapter 29 was to God's people. He says, but they remove, he says there in 13, he says, then the Lord said, because this people draw near to me with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rot. Folks, just because we say the right things doesn't mean we do the right things. He calls us to be hearers of the word and doers also. And we can't do it by sitting on our hands and not moving our feet. That's not honoring God. Honoring God just as we, just as we honor our parents. It's to follow their instruction, isn't it? To hear their teaching. We read over in Proverbs about a month or so ago. Son, here, listen to my words. Listen to what I'm telling you. And you'll go on and you'll receive the wisdom. And you can use that wisdom to be what? To increase, right? To have understanding, to better navigate your life. To be productive for the Lord's service. Be careful not to get caught up in what men find acceptable. I could preach what I want all day long, but if I don't preach the truth, then I'm not right. I can't force my way into the kingdom, can I? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Again, this is the divinely inspired word of God. It's not the divinely inspired word of man. Come from God. Look at Colossians chapter 2. I'm not going to get through everything I want to get through. So I'll have to save it for next week. Or Wednesday night. I haven't recorded something on Wednesday night in a while. Colossians chapter 2. Again, this is, this is not my words. This is the Lord's words. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, 
Why, as it if you are living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Which all refer to things destined to perish with the using. That's in parentheses there because it was in a later manuscript. Earlier manuscripts didn't contain that phrase. In accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. What is the preceding text talking about? He's talking about being built up in Christ. Verse 7 says, Having been firmly rooted, now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, but rather according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all and ruled in authority. Pharisees over in the place we read, they didn't acknowledge that, did they? They didn't understand it. They were looking for an earthly Messiah that was going to deliver them fleshly, right? They missed, they missed the mark on that. They were more concerned with their, with their teachings and what made them look good and what gave them the power over other men. But all, what was the Lord desired of it? Be obedient, to be faithful. To observe what the law taught them and to be nurtured and guided and tutored into understanding that Jesus was the Messiah and that through him and in him, that was the only way for deliverance, wasn't it? So the expectation here, what's he telling them? Follow the instructions. <laughs> Follow the instructions. That's how you honor the teacher, isn't it? Who's the teacher? I'm not. The Lord is the teacher. He's the one that uses the Spirit to counsel me and to teach me how it is that we're supposed to live our lives. Does that for the church here. That's the, that's the expectation is that we listen to the Spirit. We heed the instruction. And we overcome. So he tells them over there in Colossians chapter 3, he says, If then you have been raised up in Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did he say stop there when you have an, when, when you've, when you've, Set your mind on those things. When we come in to serve the Lord, we submit for baptism, we come into the church. What's the expectation? He didn't tell them, you're good. He told them, keep seeking. Continual, active, progressive action. I'm no English grammarian, like some of the brothers are, 
but I have an understanding of what that is. I could, I can't speak correctly half the time, but I get the understanding of what that verse is telling me there. Then he goes on. He says, not, not just keep. He says, keep seeking. But then he goes on. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. This stuff ain't going to last for long. The right things are going. It's not going to last much longer anyways. But no, what does it say? No one knows the day or time, but we need to be preparing constantly. Preparing gives the, act, the idea that you've got to continuously keep preparing. Preparing your mind. We talk about Galatians and about putting on the armor of God. We have to prepare for battle. We can't just put half the armor on and go out to battle and expect to live. We've got to put it on and keep it on and maintain it. Things fall into disrepair. We got to maintain it. We got to service it. We got to keep going. You think the battalion or the or the legion that went out to war did things by themselves individually? They, of course, individually they worked together as a unit to overcome and to win the war, right? So they had to help one another. You think Paul used that that analogy over there in the scripture when he's talking about? being a soldier or running you run to prepare yourself you have to you have to train yourself you have to condition your body let's look at first john i've got about three minutes it's okay i got quite a few places to finish up at another date and time First John chapter two. Verse fifteen. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is thus in the world, lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, and they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, then they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. Because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist and the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let the, the, that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If 
What you have heard from the beginning abides in you. You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Hooey! So you mean to tell me I can't serve the Lord and have the world too? No. No, quite the opposite actually. You can't. What does it talk about brother who has what and denies his brother basically what he needs? Turns him away? What does he say? Who turns away and doesn't take care of him? It's not one of the that abides in the Lord, is it? Who? I know I'm paraphrasing here, but you get the point. He goes on to say there, world passes away. You're not going to carry this stuff with you. <laughs> it's passing away. He says, and also it's lust. He says, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Abides. Say that. He lives with God. Lives with God. So, one who abides, the one who does his will, the one who honors God with what he has instructed them to do, he abides with God forever. He goes on to warn him. He says, it's the last hour, kids. <laughs> Even now, people seek to subvert Christ, right? They're the Antichrist. They go against Christ. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to do those things. That's all good. You're all good. The certain deceived Eve and said, you protected this fruit. You won't surely die. She believed the lie. What happened? She got Adam to partake. What did the Lord say? They were naked. They saw that they were naked. He said, who told you they were you were naked? She said, well, we ate the fruit. We did this. And he says, you weren't supposed to do that. What happened? They were ejected from the garden. They could not enjoy the presence, that the, Lord, the, the place and the goodness of, of the garden that the Lord had placed him in. Because they didn't abide in that. And he says, okay, you're going to have to put forth some effort now. <laughs> you're going to have to toil the land and deal with all the thorns and the thistles and deal with the pain of childbirth. All I did was ask you to abide in what I told you to do. There was a repercussion for their, for their disobedience. But if they repented of those things and they changed their ways and they kept on seeking the things of God, what happened? There was, some, there, was, there was a benefit there still. There was a benefit to that. But they had to repent. They had to change their ways. They couldn't stay the way they were, the way they were acting. Else they wouldn't be allowed to abide. He tells them, you can't abide in the world and abide in me. Just that's the point. All right.
Second John verse four, and then I'm going to stop. He said, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth and as just as you've received the commandment to do from the Father. And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which you have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And that, the, that this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone into the world of those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves that you might not lose what you have accomplished. Hmm. But that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not want to do this with pen and ink, or paper and ink. But I have come to you and speak face to face that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Again, how do we honor God? We walk in his commandments. The expectation and the scripture talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, isn't it? What's the expectation here? He says, new commandment. I... He says, I ask you, lady, not as writing you a new commandment, but the one which you have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. The scriptures say in another earlier spot from the Lord, you don't love your brother, you can't love me. He says, if you love him, you're going to walk according to the commandments. You're going to abide. We don't abide. What did you say? I don't have time to get over there, but Hebrews talks about trampling underfoot the blood of the blood of Christ. Terrifying expectation to not please our God, to not honor our God, not just with our lips, but with our whole being. John, third John said that I have no greater joy than to hiss than to hear my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially when they are strangers and they bear witness to your love before the church and you will do well to send them on their way in the manner worthy of God. He says, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men that they were fellow workers with the truth. And he goes on talking about diatrophies. Don't, don't have any dealings with him. Why? He didn't follow after that, does he? 
He said, he loves me first among you. Self-important. He says, I'll give attention to their deeds who unjustly accuse me. He says, for this reason, if I come, I give attention to his deeds, which, do, which he does, unjustly accusing us of wicked words and not satisfying this. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and he forbids those who have a desire to do so and puts them out of the church. That man was exercising his own judgment, wasn't he? Beloved, do not imitate that what is evil. But what is good? The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. <laughs> Demetrius has received a good testimony for everyone. And from the truth itself, we also bear witness that you know that our witness is true. And I have many things to write to you that I'm not willing to write to them with you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly and speak face to face. Peace be to you, friends, and greet you. Greetings to the friends by name. What was the expectation that the brother had there writing? Walk in the truth. Honor God. Love the brethren. Don't use it like Diotrephes was doing and beat them over the head with it and kick them out if they wanted to fellowship with them that were bringing the truth, right? What is the expectation we have in our service to the Lord? The Lord bears it out very plainly. Christ speaks of it very plainly over there that we read over in Matthew chapter 15. We, ought, we should not do it just to please men. Some of those did that and what happened? Ooh. I don't want to be responsible to the Lord for that. I don't want you to be responsible to the Lord for that. That's my job as a pastor is to help Feed the flock, protect you. Yes, I'm a member here, but my responsibility is to teach and to preach what the Lord lays on my heart. And I'm convinced of the truth there. That's the expectation for what we should preach and what we should do and what we should administer to the community around us. We can't do that in part. In our, in, in, in part and as the Lord has called us to do, fully, zealously, fervently, We've not accomplished what the Lord has asked us to do. God provided Israel a warning in Isaiah. Jesus reiterated that warning to the Pharisees. Be careful what you do. You can speak it, but you better do it. You better back it up. And if you don't, if you don't do those things and you want to do what's evil, you're not abiding, are we? What's the expectation? There's a judgment there. We're responsible for those that are in our hearing. We're responsible for what we do out in the world and when we're going about our secular jobs or whatever it is we're doing in the supermarket or wherever we're at, people notice. watched a documentary about Mormons about what they believe and it's pretty convoluted but the expectation and what we what we do we can't pervert the word of God and expect to get away with it 
And we let a lot of folks out there that are of other religions and of other teachings do things that we should be doing. We should be doing those things. Teaching, teaching about the right way, the way of the Lord. Demonstrating that before others. But we can't not do it and expect to get away with it. But the expectation is dire for us. That's all I have for you this morning. I did go 10 minutes, 12 minutes over. But we say what the Lord needs us to say and what he wants us to say. We don't don't apologize for that. <laughs> Thank you for your kind attention this morning. I'd like for you to think on these things and study on these things yourself. Don't take my word for it. You need to look at the scripture. I believe the scripture is pretty clear in our expectation for what, what we are expected of service and what the results of that is. You got questions, ask them. I've always heard that the only the only stupid question is the one.